This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. A new year, the same show. This is Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Good evening and welcome to our show. I'm joined alongside James Montefusco. Chris Klimazuski is back in the house. And Kyle Earhart, who is currently setting up one of our iPads on the wall. Quick reminder, we still take callers at our caller number 516-299-2030. But a new year brings a new focus. And for um, the show moving forward, if you have a call, we would like you to ask us a question. We're going to speak to you for about two to three minutes, and then we are dropping the call. That's how uh, we're going to change things up a little bit around here. We are on Instagram at Review and Preview. We are on Facebook Live, if you're friends with me or James Montefusco. Um, and we are also podcasting. This is our 38th podcast of the show. First one of the new year. Yeah, that's right. First <laughs> one of 2019. And we are on, of course, the link, mywcwp.org. All right, guys. So, um, great to be back at 7 to 9, our normal time. And let's get started with last week we did our team of the year, but wanted to start off with something a little bit different and more unique. Let's start off the show with your favorite rookie athlete of 2018. And now that goes across all sports. So you can pick a rookie from football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, women's rugby, whatever. Um, shall we get started? We shall. Um, here, I'll start this one. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say I think all three of you know in the studio who I'm who I'm thinking. Um <clears throat> Giants rookie running back Saquon Barkley um, is my number one. And, you know, e even though I'm a Giants fan, it's hard for me personally when I've watched 16 games of him to not pick him because of all the records that he's broken. He broke five uh, NFL records last week, and this guy was just phenomenal this season. He put the team on his back. He carried them. And, um, you know, with Odell Beckham out the last couple of weeks, um, you know, he was really the guy that – teams focused on and to do that to have that um you know on your back as a rookie is pretty insane and you know he's one of the top two candidates for offensive rookie of the year for the nfl so he is my nfl rookie of the year six foot kid 215 out of penn state and look to see more good things next year from barkley second leading rusher as well in the nfl um kyle Earhart, who is your rookie athlete of the year my rookie athlete of the year is uh, Matty Barzal from the New York Islanders, Calder Trophy winner last year. Uh, can't say much. I can say everything about this kid. This kid's uh, the best player on the Islanders right now and deserves to be rookie of the year last year. So that's my uh, rookie of the year. I like that one. Uh, Chris? I'm going to go a little you know, different sports so far as so keep the trend going. You had sure. NFL. Kyle, you had NHL. I'm going to go MLB and... I'm going to go with the man who I think really should have won Rookie of the Year this year, Miguel Andujar. He absolutely killed it Crossing. this year for the Yankees. 25-plus home runs, 90-something RBIs, had an uh, had a was a hitting average of 290-something. It's just he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal player up and down this year, and I really do think he should have won AL Rookie of the Year over Shohei Otani, but. I mean, look, they don't pay me the big bucks to make those votes, so. But I'm going to go with Miguel Andujar. James? I am going to go with 
Um, a player from Dallas, unfortunately. Um, he has done everything pretty much on that defense, and uh, he is, pardon me for the pronunciation, it's Langdon Van Der Esch, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, you said that. Yes. Right. Um, he was filling in for Sean Lee, and he was just, he was just, honestly, I, I would ra- I would love to see him on the Giants or any NFL team. He played his heart out every game. Um and for the Cowboys, um, so I wish him great luck in the future to come. James, that's an excellent pick. Did you know, fun fact, that Leighton Van Der Esch went to high school with 12 kids? He was one of the 12 in his graduating class. I heard that yeah. before. Yeah. Someone, I think You might have said that before on this show. Did I? You might you have. Said. I, I, there's a good chance I did. Because that, that was a pretty fun fact. So if it was if it was fun, it was on this show. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that that that's, I mean, have twelve kids in high school and wind up in the NFL, you know, hats off to him, pretty um, much. Yes, I I I love all of our picks a lot. I'd also like to give, you know, um, an honorary mention to all the rookie quarterbacks this year in the NFL. Majority of them were great. Um, you know, in the Jets, we had Sam Darnold as a rookie quarterback. He had. Um, you know, the last few weeks, he had a much better end to the season than he did start. Also, Lamar Jackson bringing his team to the playoffs, yes. and Baker Mayfield, which we'll talk a little bit more later in the show. Um, but speaking of young players and young studs uh, in, in the NFL, let's transition into college football. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of the key games, of course, the two college football playoffs and my final games. Uh, you know, being we do have three Notre Dame fans here in the room. Um, you know, it was unfortunate because Brian Kelly won 2018 um, AP Coach of the Year. And he also won the Dodd Trophy Coach of the Year. And it's a shame that Notre Dame did not have a better showing. I was actually at a brunch bar downtown in New York City uh, at Down the Hatch watching the Notre Dame-Clemson game. Look, it was very disappointing because there was promise early on in this game. Uh, they held Clemson to a field goal, and then it was tied 3-3 three to three at one point, I believe. And then Notre Dame, they looked solid, and then they blocked an extra point when Clemson yeah. scored a touchdown. Defensively, they had a very good first quarter and a half, yeah. I would say. And then from there, it just went downhill, Chris. You, you know what it is? Look, I'm not one to make excuses for anyone or anything like that, but look, you have your best corner, possibly arguably the best corner in the country, Julian Love, go out with a, I think it was a hamstring injury. He, so he misses the entire se- second quarter. And if you see it, they really keyed in on the guy who came in for Julian Love, and he, they attacked him immensely, and they did score, end up scoring two touchdowns yeah. off of Dante Vaughn, who replaced Julian Love. Look, I'm not one to make, make excuses. Granted, the Notre Dame offense didn't do, only showed up in that first quarter, and then after that it was really nothing. But... I mean, granted, all all good all good for Clemson, but it could have been a lot closer game if Julian Love plays that second quarter. Because if even in the second half, they only scored one touchdown. That second quarter really blew it open for Clemson. Um, Kyle Earhart, was this stage too big for Ian Book, or did he fit right in and it just wasn't meant to be? I just think the Clemson defense is just that good. Uh, when it all said and done, like Ian Book, yeah, he didn't play well. He went. Uh, <clears throat> He didn't uh, went through two what, two interceptions. He's seventeen one to thirty four, one interception, one sixty. 
at the end of the day, the Clemson, the, re- the reason why Clemson's undefeated, it's th- th- their defense is just so good mm-hmm. and overpower the Notre Dame offensive line. Yeah, yeah, that off- that defensive line has four guys who are all projected to go in the first round of the NFL draft yeah. this year. And despite Lawrence being out on that D line, you know, it didn't even didn't even look like they missed a step on them. It that. didn't affect them. They didn't miss one step. Uh, credit to Clemson, though. You got to give credit where credit is due. And, um, you know, I, I really do think that uh, Clemson deserves to be where they are. And tr- Trevor Lawrence, true freshman. He's great. I love him. You know, he's a young kid. Uh, you know, him and Ian Book, both first-year starters, virtually. So, you know, it's one of those situations where, I mean, it was unfortunate. Did Notre Dame deserve to be in the college football playoff? I think so. I think so. Uh, I you, definitely think so because yeah. everyone keeps saying, oh, they didn't deserve. They played such a – who would they play? They're not even in a conference. They played good teams this Michigan, year. Michigan, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Northwestern, USC on the road, which is never a tough mm-hmm. game, uh, never an easy game, and then Stanford. Yeah. It's crazy to think that – and if you even look at it, too, Oklahoma lost, Georgia lost after them, who was ranked fifth in the country. Lost and, twice, Georgia. Yeah. Fun fact, guys, we played Stanford when they were ranked higher than us. I know that doesn't mean much now, or even back, you know. Look, these are good quality, f- and we also beat Miami. I mean, Notre Dame did not have an easy road to the college football playoff at all. Notre Dame doesn't blow people out. They always win close. It's very rare they blow people out, unless you're looking at the Syracuse game in the Bronx, you know, over at Yankee Stadium, just up uh, on Route 87. But this was disappointing, Uh I'm not sure if Notre Dame will be back next year. We'll see. Uh, they're the first non-power conference to make the college football playoff. Clemson um, will move on to the national championship game on Monday night to play the Alabama Crimson Tide, who, you know, they were beating up on Oklahoma early on. Then Oklahoma started to make a comeback late in this game. But, um, look, Tua and that offense just too tough. Too tough, not much. The Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray, could do. Um, James. Yes. Were, did you happen to watch this game at all? I was scoreboard watching. Yeah? I wasn't really uh, watching, watching. But um, I, I did see uh, how it did come pretty close at one point. I would like to point out, Tom, that I did say the uh, Oklahoma-Alabama game would be a better game or closer game than uh, Notre Dame-Clemson, and you uh, laughed at me. Just want to point that out. I was right. Thank you. I did laugh at you. I still stand by that statement because if you look back at the Notre Dame game, the turning point of that game was the last play of the first half. I think if Oklahoma doesn't score that ridiculous touchdown, or excuse me, Clemson doesn't score that um, unbelievable touchdown to end the half, they don't have as much momentum going into the second half. I don't think so. Um, Because, yeah, in that second half, Oklahoma... Oklahoma really found out how to stop two. I mean, two ended up with an amazing game, what, 24-27? Yeah. 300, four touchdowns. But three of those touchdowns came in the first half, and they really did slow him down a bit. And they, like Kyle said, he, they kept it really close. But, I mean, I felt like Alabama fans and Alabama in general really knew they were going to win this game through, yeah. throughout the whole time they were they were playing. Well, yeah, They were up, what, 28-7 before, like, the end of the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's yeah. give Oklahoma credit because they did outscore Alabama in the second half, 24-14. to 14. Um, And this is, you know, you got to take this seriously because Alabama was shut out in the third quarter. 
The only problem was when you come out so slow like Oklahoma did, it was too much to overcome. I mean, Kyler Murray was great. He had three touchdowns, two through the air, one on the ground. He had over 400 total yards from scrimmage on offense. But the problem was, besides CeeDee Lamb, he really didn't have much help. I mean, Carson Meyer had a few catches. Charleston Rambo was okay. Um, but you look at that defense, there was no pressure on the quarterback. There was no pressure on two in this game. Um, and, you know, it's a shame because Oklahoma definitely had a shot at winning this game late. But Tua only had three incompletions the whole game. This guy had a perfect game. 24-27, 3-18, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, this could potentially be the best quarterback coming out of next year's draft, him and Herbert. You know, that could be a debate that can go on, that the 2019 quarterback class will be better than this year's class. But back to the game here. Um, Alabama running the football, you know, they had two guys. They had Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs nearly had 100 yards in this game. The inability to stop the run. Devontae Smith was great through the air. And overall, uh, it was too much to overcome. It was too much to overcome. Murray and Tua, you know, they went to battle. But Tua got his revenge for not winning. The Heisman, this will set up the Monday night national championship game between Clemson Clemson and Alabama. um, 8 o'clock p.m. That is Eastern Standard Time for those of you watching or listening from the West Coast. And Bama opens out as six-point favorites only. Can Dabo Sweeney beat Nick Saban? That's my next question. Can it happen? I mean... Rough, right? What, last year? It was Clemson-Alabama last year, too? A couple... No, last year it was... Last year was Clemson-Alabama. Yeah. The year before was Clemson-Alabama. Right. If I'm not mistaken, the year before that was was, Clemson-Alabama. And I think Nick Saban still, like... Besides the year where, uh... Where, uh... What's it, uh... Uh, the, the year that Clemson won. With the walk-on scoring the touchdown. Yes. The former yes. walk-on. Uh, Nick Saban just knows how to beat Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney just can't beat Nick Saban. Yeah. He's, he's only beat him once. And for for Dabo Sweeney, like, he, he wants to solidify he's the best coach in college football. Well, prove it. Beat, beat the best coach in college football mm-hmm. first. Right. Um, yeah, we'll see. Even though Brian Kelly did win coach of the year this year. <laughs> Got to keep bringing that up. I don't think Alabama has anything to worry about. This is... Arguably the best Alabama team we've seen in a long time from yeah, top to bottom. Better than last year's yeah. team that won. Better than last team. This is up there with the, uh, let's say, I think there was the 2009 team that beat, um, whenever Mark Ingram was the running back, Yeah, that team was very good. And even the, um, the, the, the Alabama played Notre Dame in the championship, that team was very good. And this is arguably better than those two teams. Yeah. So I mean I don't th- I think Alabama has this one in the bag. I think it'll be a very close game, but I think Alabama's going to come out with the win. I do too. Um, you know, speaking of Clemson, uh, I don't think Lawrence is going to play again. I believe he's yes. sitting, right? Him and two other people, uh, two other linebackers, got suspended. Yeah, that's so, huge. Yes, oh, I thought you about Trevor Lawrence for a second. I was like, whoa, why would <laughs> no. they play him? Um, <laughs> but you know. College football playoff was great. Um, the first two games, obviously the first game, it was good in the first half, but the second game was much better. Hopefully the national championship is much closer than both of those first two games combined. But now, news with Georgia, a team that was left out of the college football playoff, their uh, backup quarterback, Justin Fields, will be transferring to Ohio State. That's official? Thoughts. 
Yes. That, that's okay because I saw the report today that he was looking at Ohio State. Well, that's we'll uh, we'll we will confirm shortly. Yeah, I definitely saw that, and I was like, "Oh, great. I think he originally said he was, and then he may have went back and said, um, "Yeah, he's expected to enroll at Ohio State next, yeah. next week." Oh, so, visiting Ohio State. Expect okay. I didn't see that. I didn't see the second part. Yeah. Of that. Okay, visiting yeah. Buckeyes expected to enroll next week, which is big. That's huge for Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. you know, because you have Haskins going into the draft, and then who's next in line? Exactly, and that was one thing that. Ohio State fans were talking about this year. I even I remember talking to Mike before the season started. I was like, "Yo, who's going to be the starting quarterback this year?" Because yeah. at least the last couple of years, you knew it was Cardell Jones, you knew it was JT Barrett, you knew who you had. Now you don't. You coming into this year, you didn't know who you had. And Dwayne Haskins, he proved a lot of people wrong. Right. And he brought he did so good for uh, Ohio State this year. Now, mm-hmm. literally next year, you don't know who you're going to have. No. Justin Fields is going to have to take a year off because of the transfer. So, still, you don't know who he... You have him in two years. Right, he's not going to be eligible next season. Yeah, but who's playing quarterback for the Buckeyes next year? We don't know. I don't even think Mike knows who's playing quarterback. Dawes, do you know? (laughs) Call in. Right? Yeah. Um, But the the other games we got to go over, Duke Jones declares as Duke, they beat Temple in their bowl game a couple weeks ago. West Virginia lays an egg, had a bunch of players sitting out. Will Greer, another potential hot quarterback... Um, possibly be coming out of the NFL draft. Um, and then Florida ripped Michigan a new one on Saturday. Uh, crazy. And their their quarterback kind of looks like Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, I'm glad to see that Michigan lost and Harbaugh, especially since Notre Dame. Because Michigan was even saying, oh, we deserve it over Notre Dame. But Notre Dame beat you. They beat you. Fair and square. And and if Ohio State doesn't get in, then you sure Hold definitely on. don't get in. But Notre Dame beat you with Brandon Wimbush at quarterback, not Ian Book. You know what I'm saying? So that's hard to uh, make a clear judgment there on what should be done. But, man, Book was disappointing. Just 160 yards on Saturday. Brian Kelly in bowl games, 5-4. and four, You know, not really that impressive. And Notre Dame uh, all-time in the college football um, in, like, big – BCS championship games, or are they? 0 and 6? 0 and 5? 0 and 6? Now, here's a good question I got for you, Tom. Yeah. Is Brian Kelly going to return as the coach next year? For Notre Dame? Because I feel like, you know what, they get to, like you just said, they, we've seen Notre Dame in, in under, Brian, under Brian Kelly's tenure, we've seen them in a national championship game, a fiesta, uh, the Fiesta Twice. Bowl. Twice. Two, yeah. And right. the, no, one, one, nas- one, na- one national championship <laughs> game. We had the um, what was it the sh- the Cotton Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. own three, blown out actually in all three of those games. Yeah. So, I mean, is Ke- Brian Kelly the coach that can take us take us to the next level and actually win in those games? Or I mean, You're like, not I can li- find anyone better right now. Ex- that's what I'm saying too. But it, I, it's really it's really tough, and especially yeah. you know with all these new co- coaching rumors now going in the uh, in, with the NFL, a lot of coaches of a lot of coaches. Brian Kelly's rumored to be one of those guys who can make the leap to the NFL. Yeah. Um, there's rumors about him going to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I heard that. You heard that? Really? He just that. fired Dirk Cutter, so we'll see. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Let's see what happens with Notre Dame and see what they do. Let's make our picks for the national championship game Monday night. Who wins? I'm going to write some scores down. Sorry, that was my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll I'll go first. Um, I would like to uh, 
James last week made some bold predictions, and <laughs> it were interesting. And, you know, I think this week I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to say Clemson wins 35-32. High-scoring game, 35-32. Hot takes there by Kyle Earhart. Just for the record, if anybody's was listening in last week and listening in this week, I did not win the lottery. Oh, yeah, James so, picked Notre Dame and Oklahoma last week. You know that? So, And I didn't win the lottery that won. So, hey, James, do yeah. it for the people. <laughs> On that note, let's make your pick. Okay. I am going to go with Alabama over Clemson. Um, I am going to go with 34-28. I mean, you got to come out of the doghouse somehow, right? Yeah, no, I, I definitely do. <laughs> Chris, I'm gonna go Bama, twenty-four to twenty. There's gonna be a very close game throughout it. There's both defenses very, very good, so I think it's gonna be a very low-scoring game. I think Clemson's gonna find out how to st- find out the formula to stop Tua. Mm-hmm. Sorry, say, say your shoe. Oh, you said twenty-four twenty. Right? Twenty-four twenty. Uh, Bama, for me. Final score is going to be 31-28. And again, we're all picking very close games. We're all, you know, we're giving Clemson a lot more wiggle room than I feel like the average person would. But with the way they... I'm not sure if them beating Notre Dame was them destroying Notre Dame or if that was Notre Dame playing bad. We don't know what that was a product of, you know? Uh, I think a lot of it's based off of matchups. But we'll see if that transpires into Monday night. On that note, um, let's make a quick prediction here. Best quarterback coming out of college into this year's draft. Um, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to go against the majority. I'm going to say Daniel Jones out of Duke. Best quarterback out of this year's draft. Why? Because I want to be different. I want to spark some (laughs) debate. I want to spark some argument because I'm tired of everybody uh, hearing about uh, Will Greer, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke. You know, I mean, it's been those three, I feel like, for a while, no? It has been, but this isn't a really, you know, stacked quarterback year. It's not. It's not not like we've, especially like we saw last year, we saw five quarterbacks go in the first round. This isn't, it's not the same year as this year. So you have to, so to bring up those same three names over and over again, it's typical to do that just to create some kind of buzz. I'm going to go with, oh, I know Mike would do this too, I'm going to say Dwayne Haskins. He's very, a very, very good quarterback. He's very good in the pocket. He's a great arm, yeah. and he can run the ball too. He's a very solid quarterback, and, again, he was third in the Heisman voting this year. So I think he will go be a, a future first-round pick depending on what team he goes to, but that's mine. Kyle Earhart. Chris summed it up for perfectly. I'd go with Dwayne Haskins also. Excellent work. Yeah. Chris said everything I need to say. I'm going to go with uh, Drew Luck. (laughs) Good pick. Thank you. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jets and the Giants. You're listening to Review and Preview here on MyWCWP.org. Now back to Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. I feel the master. I feel the master. Come on. Come on. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? 
So welcome back, guys, to the show. Um, we just talked about college football, um, a lot going on, the National Championship Monday. We made our picks, so if you missed them, rewind on Facebook, listen to our podcast. If not, oh well. <laughs> I, 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 do, I, do, I do have Dawes' picks right now. I texted him to give us a prediction, So, and he has Bama winning 35-27. That's um that's a pretty good pick. I can't I cannot disagree with that. We'll, we'll write that down. All right. I'm sure Russo's got Bama winning too. Probably. To yeah. Isn't he a Bama? He's a Bama fan, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So the Jets. Um, look, <laughs> last week we were picking games. James, why did you pick the Jets to win this game? I was going out on a limb with every pick. I mean. Clearly, oh, for like twenty last week. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it's going out on the limb. I mean, it, it, they they usually play the Patriots a lot closer than what they do on Sunday. Yeah. So, but you know, it was close. Maybe the first two minutes of the game. Yeah, yeah, if that, right, Kyle? You know, I mean, I saw the score. I'm like, wow, uh, that th- that's the score. I've I'm uh, I was debating on wearing a bag over my head today. <laughs> and how bad my picks were. So, you know. um, so, uh, so Kai, what do you think of what with uh, the Jets going thirty-eight and three against the Patriots? Any positives to come out of that at all, or is it just strictly all negatives? Well, I mean, Donald didn't throw an interception, right? I mean, I know Donald went sixteen of twenty-eight, but you know, he was under pressure the whole game. Didn't look terrible. Uh, wide receivers couldn't catch the ball. It didn't help out. Um, not much. The Jets' offense didn't stand a chance. Uh, Jets' defense clearly didn't stand a chance in this game. No, not at all. <laughs> um, look, weren't the Jets down like twenty-eight-three? They lost thirty-eight to three, didn't they? So yeah. So I mean, they probably were down twenty-eight-three at one point too. Darnold did not surpass two hundred yards. Brady looked good in this game. Uh, two fifty and four touchdowns. Um, Talk about how this could potentially give New England momentum into the playoffs because this win against the Jets, you know, they didn't just, like, beat a divisional opponent by a you know substantial amount, but they earned the first round by. And I feel like a year like this year, it's very much needed with all the talent uh, as of late in the, in the, in the uh, AFC. You know, those bottom three teams in the AFC honestly might be the three best teams in the AFC right now when you're talking about the Colts, the Ravens, and the Chargers. Really think about it. Yeah, this is the fir- for the first time in a long time. Literally, I think no one is like definite. You can say is definitely going to go to the go to the Super Bowl this year. Like in years past, you could say, oh yeah, the Patriots, oh the uh, the Seahawks, the Broncos, all these other teams. But this year, it's literally wide open for anyone to make it to the AFC, the AFC and NFC Championship games and go to the Super Bowl. Anyone can do it. Like you said, the Colts. Are a very hot team right now. Even yeah. the even the you know, on the uh, on the NFC side, the Cowboys and the Seahawks, both very good teams coming in, crazy momentum, and they can ca- possibly carry the momentum to the NFC Championship game. Ew. He said <laughs> Cowboys. Yeah. Ew. Tom's face right away. Did you hear that, folks? Dallas in the NFC Championship game. I'm going to restrain Dallas? from commenting. Oh, oh boy. All right. Um, <laughs> um, Let's move away from Dallas and back on the Jets. Darnold was under pressure all game, though. Like you know, he he really had a lot of trouble buying time to throw the football, and you know this really tells the Jets um, 
what their um, problems are, and that's the whole team, whole offense surrounding Sam Darnold. Yep. It's not just the offensive line. It's Robbie Anderson dropping balls. It's not having your feature back and Isaiah Crowell. I love the way McGuire has been stepping in, but you don't know for sure if he's the answer. So, you know, these are things you got to look at heading into the offseason. What's the biggest need for the Jets in this offseason? One thing. Offensive line. line. Offensive yep. line. I'd, you, I'd agree. Do like, and me, and me and Mike, we've talked about this. The Jets realistically need five new offensive linemen. It's bad. It's not good. And but I mean during the, you can li- the Jets can live with Brian Winters and Brandon Shell on the right side, but you need a left tackle, you need a left guard, and you need a new center. Spencer Long stinks. James mm-hmm. Carpenter isn't going to get signed back, especially after this injury. And Kelvin Beecham, I, I think he's off contract too as well, so he's not getting signed back either. So you literally have to replace three new offensive linemen within the next year, and it's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they go about this, especially with the third overall pick in the draft this year. My problem is that you're saying you can live with Brian Winters and Brandon Shell. If those are your two best offensive linemen, as, yeah, Ky- as not. Kyle Russo would say, that's a problem. That is a problem. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Brian Winters is decent. He's not an awful guard. Yeah, everyone thinks he is, but he's really not. He's, he, do, he does his job good. Brandon Shell, on the other hand, he's a great pass blocker, but he can't run block for for the life of him. So he stinks, but, I mean, we can live with him being our right tackle and being a very good pass blocker. Yeah. But, I mean, what I think the Jets need to do, I looked I looked at some possible free agent signings last night and who the Jets could go in the draft. I really think the Jets should draft either Jonah Williams from Alabama or Greg Little from Ole Miss with that third overall pick or even trading back and getting him. And then going out and signing a guy like A.J. Can from Jacksonville to play left guard and to play center, you can get uh, Mitch Morris, who's the starting center for the Chiefs right now. It's very possible with the, with all the with all the cap space the Jets have. It's very possible for them to do. I feel like this year's draft is more geared towards defensive players. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, is. Or, it is towards pass rushers, which is a strong need of both the Jets and the Giants, yes. which we'll dive into in a few minutes. But the Jets are also in need of pass rushers. Uh, look, I expect Leonard Williams to have a much better season next year yep. than he did this year. I you know I expect Avery Williamson to continue to step up. But the problem with the Jets is. You know, your most consistent defensive lineman from what I saw this year was Henry mm-hmm. Anderson. Yes, he was. He was fantastic this year. I don't, he was, it's, you know, it's crazy to say when you have a guy like Leonard Williams on that defensive line, Henry Anderson was your best defensive D lineman this year. Yeah. Seven sacks, and he it felt like he was in the backfield almost every other play, disrupting the quarterback, hitting the, uh, hitting the running back. He was always there. Really hope the Jets do sign him back because he is on a one-year deal. Is he a second-year player from the Colts? He, I think so. He's pretty old. Not old, but I mean, no, like he's I, only like 24, 25. No, he's like twenty-seven. Is I think he? I'm pretty sure he's like twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Well, I don't think he's been in the league very long. Let's look that up quick. I know Henry Anderson, um, Kyle. What were your thoughts on the Jets season? And um, if you had to give Sam Darnold a year one report card, grade him. I mean, we—it's all what we expected, you know. We—we uh, we knew the Jets were gonna be bad going into the season. You had a rookie quarterback at the helm. You didn't really expect much. Um, for Sam Darnold, there were games where he played fantastic, like against the Lions and against the game Tom was at the Colts. He looked fantastic those games. But uh, I guess I'd—I'd I'd give him a B. Like it was okay, but it wasn't like fantastic, you know. Like there's games where he could have played better. Didn't play better in Miami. 
didn't play but good against the uh, up in Buffalo when we went to Buffalo. But, you know, average. Would you say it's excellent work or getting to the excellent work point where next season it could be excellent work? I think it's good work, but next season should be excellent work. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you know. What about you, Chris? Uh, what do you think? The Jets stunk on ice this year. I said they were going to win six games, but I feel like they disappointed me way more than than win, possibly winning six games. The offense, I'd give a D, a solid D offense. Sam Donald looked great towards the end of the season, and he looked good in the, the first couple of games of the season. But other than that, right in the middle of the season where we want him to be good, he looked like a rookie. Towards the end of the season, he did very good. Six touchdowns, one interception. Um, I forgot how many yards he had passing. It's like 300-something or something like that, or 400. And he looked very good towards the end of the season. Robbie Anderson, again, he, him as well, looked great at the end of the season. Finished out the last four games, yeah, 300-something yards and three yeah. touchdowns, while the other 10 games he played in, he had like 400. So his potential is up and down. You don't know where he's going to be. Chris Herndon surprised me a lot this year. Fifth, uh, Fourth-round pick. And he was the first rookie since Dustin, the first Jets rookie tight end since Dustin Keller to have 500 yards in his rookie season, right? Which was fantastic. If we can get more production out of him next year, that'd be great. Offensive line stinks. I'd use my whole spiel on that. Yeah. Um, and that's really it on the offense. So a D on the offense. I'll give the defense a C plus. Jamal Adams second. I don't know how he didn't get first team All Pro. I think he got robbed a little bit, but yep. that's me, that's me being a little biased. Um. Jordan Jenkins, Darren Lee took huge steps forward this year in their linebacker at playing linebacker. Yeah, Jordan Jenkins seven sacks on the season. He led the team, tied with Henry Anderson. Uh, Darren Lee looked great in the pass coverage. He ended the season with seventy plus tackles. Avery Williamson, a great, great starting middle linebacker to have there. He was fantastic, and even the the rotation of Neville Hewitt, Brandon Copeland, and Frankie Luva, that other outside linebacker position, was good. Three of those guys combined had 90-plus tackles, which is good, but, I mean, you still really need another outside linebacker. The corners stunk. They, I mean, Tremaine Johnson failed epically this season. He knew that, too, so he, and he yeah. said that. Claiborne. Uh, yeah, Mo Claiborne, Buster Screen, thank God they're not coming back. Yeah. Leonard Williams, he, he, I feel like since his rookie season, he's been on a slow decline. He really, like, he hasn't, he didn't improve a lot. Since then, and he, he, I feel like he, his game. I mean, Leonard Williams was arguably the best player in that 2015 draft, and he hasn't done anything really except for win. And actually, he didn't win rookie of the year, but he did go to a Pro Bowl one year. Special teams, a a plus a thousand. They, <laughs> that was the best part of this whole season. Yeah. Andre Roberts, first team All Pro. Uh, Jason Myers, second team All Pro. They were fantastic. All year. Yeah, I give tons of credit to Brant Boyer, the special teams coach. Um, the special teams is great. Andre Roberts making the Pro Bowl yep. or alternate. Um, but Jamal Adams was the bright spot of the defense. Uh, Chris Herndon was the bright spot of the offense. Mm-hmm. Chris pretty yep. much summed it up. Yeah. Um, but now, moving forward, um, we brought up some options on who the Jets may want to target in free agency on that O-line, but Todd Bowles gets fired. Uh, look, who's the next head coach? There's rooms about Matt Rule. Uh, yeah, that came, that came out today. Cliff Kingsbury, Mike McCarthy. Chuck Pagano. Um, Chuck Pagano, really? I didn't hear that. Yeah, um, not he. He's not as hot as maybe McCarthy, but um, Bruce Arians too. Bruce Arians. The Jets have not had a really a sharp offensive-minded 
coach in a while. In a while. It, it, it's it's been some time. So who do you who do you guys think if you had a guess right now would be the new Jets head coach or are you clueless? I if I had them putting money on the line right now because I really am clueless on who I think is which I'm sure Dawes already has. But <laughs> <laughs> but depending on who I think is going to be the head coach and who who I want as the, right now I want Cliff Kingsbury. I like him a lot. Yeah. He's young. He's the more risky of the pick. He's very young. He's I think he's like 38 years old, but he could be potentially be the next Sean McVay. Yeah, that's the that's the upside of it. The downside is he he stinks. That's the whole downside, and he won't last one year. Now, <laughs> who I think the Jets are going to gra- uh, grab, and I really don't like it because this is the safe pick. Gase. No, I don't. Gase. Okay, no, that, that's not the safe pick, Gaze. I think that's no, the I, riskier pick. They're, First they're, all, they're interviewing him. I know. B- before I say uh, who I think it's going to be. Why interview Adam Gase? That guy stinks. He couldn't turn the Dolphins around. What makes you think he's going to turn the Jets around? That guy is buns. Like, I don't get it. But my pick, who I think the Jets are going to do, and I really don't want it to be him, I think it's going to be Mike McCarthy. I think it is. Because people look at Mike McCarthy and they see, oh, he coached Aaron Rodgers, and he went to one Super Bowl. But that's it. <laughs> Other than yeah. that, he really doesn't hasn't done anything. How many NFC Championship games has he gone to? Three, maybe? No. I'm not a big fan on Mike McCarthy. He's the safe pick just because he he has coached Aaron Rodgers and did win a Super Bowl, but other than that, his like he's really nothing crazy and he just got fired. Why would I why would I want someone who just got fired from being um, a head coach? I have you know have you thought about Bruce Arians? Because I, I really think he might be a good culture change for the team. Well, what I heard about Bruce Arians is that he'll only take the Cleveland job. Right. That's the only thing I've heard. So I really haven't uh, even thought about which, I think he came out yesterday and said he would like the Tampa Bay job, too. Which Greg Williams really wants the Browns job. I feel I feel like for, I feel like the Browns should hire Greg, uh, have Greg Williams. He did a fantastic job taking over for Hugh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Who I personally want as the the head coach for the Jets, Peter Carmichael. Offense coordinator, yes. Peter Carmichael, yes. offense coordinator for the Saints. He's been the offense coordinator for the past, I think, like five years or so. He was the QB coach before that. This man literally has coached the, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time Yes, in Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. So if he can bring what he knows under Sean Payton and help develop Sam Darnold, I'm not saying Sam Darnold's going to be the next Drew Brees, but, I mean, if we can get a, if we can get a quarter of what Drew Brees is into Sam Darnold, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So, so I, I like Peter Carmichael a lot. Um, yeah, I think Carmichael might be a good pick for the Jets. Obviously, McCarthy is a hot, top, uh, hot guy for that position as well. Um, look, draft outlook. Um, I think the only, uh, you know, we already talked about it. We think offensive line is the priority, but if there's an edge rusher available, do it because a lot of people are not very high on Jonah Williams because. They don't know if his game's going to transition to the NFL because his wingspan is not very big, and they're not sure if he's going to be able to block some of those elite mm-hmm. pass rushers. So that's the one spin on him that might derail his value from being maybe a top five pick to more of a top ten, top twelve pick. And and Tom, like it, it's it's food for thought. And, and if you look at every team in the playoff right now, they all, about every team has a very decent or good. Front seven. If you don't have a good front seven in the NFL, you and you don't get pressure to the quarterback, you will not go far in the playoffs. Look at the Bears. Look at the Texans. Look at the Colts. Look at those teams. They have good front seven. Even look at the Eagles. 
They have good front. You need to have a good front seven. If you don't, you're, you're just not going to go anywhere. Yeah, and that front seven is developing for the Jets. I mean, we just have to. Leonard Williams just has to pick his game up. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he, I, this is going to be a, this is a contract year for him. So hopefully, we can see a lot of production out of him this year. You sign back Henry Anderson, and the only person I want in this draft who isn't an offensive lineman with that first pick is Nick Bosa. I don't feel you say that Nick Bosa, which I don't think we'll see him because. Or- or, or Allen from Boston College. I, I do like li- I do like Allen, but at the third pick, it's kind of tough taking him when you have like the Jets really do need an offensive yeah. lineman badly. They yeah. they need it badly, and you can and I look again looked into the free agency this year. You can get a you can get a, a decent uh, defensive end pass rusher or an outside linebacking pass rusher. There are no there is no left tackles None. in in this free agency. I looked at. I mean, look, you can have Brandon Shell convert to a left tackle and sign a right tackle, or you can sign one of the right tackles and have them play left tackle. But if you if that again, that's that's playing a risky coach, especially with a new yeah. coach. So I I think the Jets should should possibly trade back, get some draft picks, draft a guy like jo- either Jonah Williams or Greg Little, and draft another wide receiver too, I think. So or or even an outside linebacker. A lot of holes to fill in for the Jets, but, you know, both New York teams had bad years. Um, the Giants, you know, the Jets finished 4-12, and but the Giants don't finish too far in front at 5-11. and uh, The Giants had a down season, but... Uh, better than last year when they finished three and thirteen. New head coach, new GM. They came into this year. Expectations were a little bit higher than what was done. A lot of people did not think this team would start one and seven, but the team did finish five and three after the bye. So they were five and three in the second half of the season. And, you know, it basically comes down to a couple of plays late in the game that separate the Giants from a potential playoff spot. Because you look, who would have thought, guys? Look how bad the NFC East was this season. Mm-hmm. The NFC East still put two teams in the playoffs. You can't say that for the NFC South. You also can't say that for the NFC North. You can only say that for the East and the West. And that's pretty insane. Uh, you know, yes, Dallas came on late, but they benefited a lot from their schedule, except with the win against the Saints. That was, yes. an, that was an incredible win that they had. But um, the Giants were right there. But uh, speaking of Dallas, they lose to the Cowboys Sunday, 36-35. They led for a good portion late in the game. Um, All bright spots for Barkley in this game. The records that Saquon Barkley broke. Um, Only the third rookie running back in NFL history to have at least 2,000 total scrimmage yards. The only other two to do that were Edger and James and Eric Dickerson. Barkley also... Um, had 11 rushing touchdowns on the season. That was the most ever for a Giants rookie. Um, Barkley makes the Pro Bowl. First time a Giants running back has made the Pro Bowl in forever. That's probably longer than most of our parents have been alive here in the studio. <laughs> um, and then also, Barkley was the second leading rusher in the NFL. Yes, Todd Gurley, um, we do have a caller, and we'll get to him in just a moment. Um, Todd Gurley did rest in Week 17 and didn't play, but you can't guarantee that Barkley would have had as many rushing yards, um, if Gurley would have had as many rushing yards as Barkley did that weekend. So, you know, Barkley earned the number two rusher in the NFL this season as a rookie. And on that note, we do have a caller. Caller, please state your name and where you are from. So, from Comac, New York, coming here to talk about the Giants. Facebook Live, this is Kyle Russo, and he will be talking about the Giants. 
Um, Kyle, what is your question? My question is, guys, what do you all think the Giants should be doing with that number six overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft? Um, so, and uh, we'll we'll all answer this question here if 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 we have time. But I think I speak for James. Uh, the only quarterback you would consider this year, or the only two, I should say, are Haskins and Jones. Uh, you know, there's been talks about looking at Will Greer as well, but when Dave Gettleman had his heart-to-heart with Eli Manning, the no-holds-barred discussion, Mark Herzlick, former Giants special teams linebacker for about seven, eight years, passed the comment that Dave Gettleman is not looking at the Eli Manning film. He knows what he has in Eli Manning. He's looking at all the possible film from every other possible quarterback option to replace Eli in 2019. But for me, I'm saying that's a possibility, but what I really think the Giants need to do at number six this season is either draft a pass rusher or an offensive lineman. I think the Giants need more pass rushing than anything uh, over offensive linemen, believe it or not. Why? Because the Giants cannot get off the field on third down. Week two, we lose the game against Dallas. We did not possess the ball enough. We cannot get off the field on third down. Olivier Vernon missed half the season, and Vernon did not show up until week 14. My biggest um, thing here, will Nick Bosa fall to us at six? No. But you know who might? Allen from Boston College. And I think this is a guy you must seriously consider because Eli proved Zach, Zach Allen is his name from Boston College. The Giants love Boston College players historically. I think he might be a good fit. And I also think, um, you know, if the Giants consider trading, which I don't think they will, but, you know, it's one of those things where if Haskins falls into their lap at six, they very well might take him. But I would prefer to see Zach Allen from Boston College go to the Giants, especially with the new 3 4. James Betcher defense, Kyle. Yeah, Tom, I, I agree with you in a way that we need defensive players, but to be honest with you, there's really only two players I want in this entire draft, and I think both of them will wind up falling to the Giants for either of them to be available to pick. And I honestly, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be a Giant based on Gettleman's talk with Eli because, like I said last night, we talked on the phone. Eli went to Gettleman. Gettleman didn't go to Eli. <laughs> Eli came to Gettleman. Yeah. And from yeah. what I understand, my comprehension of this talk that Gettleman had at the press conference is that he doesn't want Eli back, especially under the cap hit that Eli will be taking next season at $23 million. Right. And the other guy that I'm very interested in, and I know that we have a surplus of defensive tackles, but I want Ed Oliver out of Houston. Ooh. Ed Oliver is drawing tremendous comparisons to Aaron Donald, who plays for the L.A. Rams. And, you know, after uh, after a comparison like that, that's not a bad guy to have on the team. I know we need pass rushers. I know we need it. But you have a guy in the draft who may fall to you that's drawing comparisons to Aaron Donald. I don't know how you can pass up on a guy like that. Do you think that the Giants have seen what they've wanted to already in Kyle Laletta? Do you think this is enough evidence to say that Laletta has zero shot at being the future of this team because of the incident and the performance that we saw? Because remember, they did use him at wide receiver on Sunday against the Cowboys. He made a nice block, too. He did make a nice <laughs> block. Well, he, he more like got in the way and threw yeah. his hand in there. But, you know, it was yeah, something. something. It was better than nothing. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't think that Kyle Oletta has a future with the team. And it, and it has nothing to do with the incident. I, it just has to do with his quarterback play. I mean, we saw him come on the field against the Redskins uh, when we 
absolutely were blowing them out. And he just he just looked awful. And, and that was basically his only performance behind center this entire year. And from what I've seen, from what I saw, he looked terrible. I, do I want him as a backup? Possibly. You know, the Giants have carried three quarterbacks on a team before, so I could possibly see him as a third stringer. But I, I truly believe, after Gettleman's press conference, I really do believe if he falls to us, Dwayne Haskins is going to be a Giant next season. Yeah, I think I truly do believe that. Yeah, I think Dwayne Haskins would be a good choice for the Giants. I feel like he, I feel like he wouldn't even fall. I feel like he, the Giants will easily grab him at six because if you look at who has one through five, they really don't need quarterbacks. The 49ers don't need. I mean, the the Raiders do, depending on if they stay with. Uh, well, yeah, of course, Chris. But like you know, if teams trade up or something yeah, like that, true, yeah, true, yeah. I have to be worried about that. But yeah, I, I think Gettleman. There's a lot. Gettleman last quarterback Gettleman drafted in the first round was for the Panthers when he drafted Cam Newton. There's a lot of similarities between Dwayne Haskins and Cam Newton. The big arm, they both can run. Good pocket passer. So I mean, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if Gettleman goes out and, and gets Dwayne Haskins. I do not want a Cam Newton type quarterback on the New York Football Giants. I will make it clear right now. I do not want Dwayne Haskins to be a New York Football Giant. I am very against Dwayne Haskins being picked by the Giants because the Giants have won in the past throughout the 90, 95 years of their existence with smart quarterbacks that can buy their time, throw the ball down the field. Yes, they're going to throw interceptions, but you want a guy that could potentially be a staple for the next 10 to 15 years, and I see that much more in guys like Daniel Jones and Will Greer than Dwayne Haskins. And it's nothing against Haskins and his skill set. If you look at his skill set, yes, he's probably the best. But what's the window? Is it five to six years? Is it 10 to 15? That's the question that I think yeah. remains unanswered. And you want to fix that offensive line before you bring a quarterback like that in. Because Eli is smart and he goes down, he takes sacks. That's why he didn't get hurt behind that terrible offensive line. The offensive that, line Tom, is still that's, mediocre. That's a question. Uh, that's another question that gets brought up. You know, you talk about the possible fits in Daniel Jones, possibly Drew Locke, some of these other guys coming out. Dwayne Haskins is the only guy that's going to be able to move in the pocket out of any of those guys, and the only guy who's going to be able to withstand those hits. Because if you look at Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins is NFL built. None of these other guys that are coming to the draft as a quarterback, they take one hit, they're going to get hit. They're going to get hurt. I also have another. Bad. I also have another problem with Dwayne Haskins. He only. He only. He's only done a year and a half of college. That is very true. That's another problem. That is very that true. If you if you're going to go to the NFL, I think you should do four years of college. That's that's my thing. I mean, you, know, I mean, I you feel, can disagree, but that's I feel just like my even opinion. at that point, it doesn't really matter how much. I mean, I I mean, I, I'm like you, Tom. I like a quarterback who's had more experience yeah. in college. You know, who's who's played some time in there. But we've seen in the past couple of years now. Look at uh, Jared Goff. Mitch Trubisky all have yeah. been very successful. They were only one-year starters at uh, North Carolina and California. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and especially from a team like Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins, I think, is going to be the real – like, but, I mean, he has his ups and downs. You he really does. don't know. Because, yeah. like, like we said, this isn't a really highly talented quarterback draft. It's and not. It's Haskins and then it's everybody yeah. else. Exactly. Yep. So, it's either you draft, you draft Haskins now – or you wait the one year, live it out with Eli Manning, or if Eli Manning decides to retire, leave it out with Kyle Lillard, and then you go out next year, and you mm-hmm. get a guy like Jake Fromm, you get a guy like Tua, or whoever comes out of that draft next year. I will say another couple things on Haskins. One, the fact that Fields is transferring from Georgia to Ohio State means 
that pretty much all but unofficially confirms that Haskins will be entering the 2019 NFL Draft. One, yes. two, did you know that Haskins is from New Jersey? I did know that, in fact. And he said Haskins he loved, is from he New Jersey. This Giants. is his hometown. Yep. But, you know, the Giants have never had this type of quarterback like Haskins. They have not. They, they're not used to that. So, you know, is that something that the franchise will take into consideration? But all from Haskins for a second. Kyle Russo, my last question to you before we let you go. You spoke about the talks about Manning and Gettleman. Do you think that Manning will take a pay cut and groom the next quarterback, or do you think it's going to be in Eli's character to say, I want to be here if I know I'm going to have the chance to start all 16 games. If not, I would rather retire and just not play anymore. Because you know Eli wants to come back next year, and Pat Shermer wants him back too. If you look at Eli's stats, he had one of the best statistics-wise. Yeah, the touchdown number wasn't great, but if you look at in terms of completion percentage and passing yards, it was up there. And I think, could I, does Eli deserve uh, a shot at year two in Pat Shermer's system? I think he's earned it. I think Do you so think too. that Eli will take the pay cut to come back? Tom, to be honest with you, I really don't think he will. Because what Eli showed me over the past two seasons is that I, you can take it however you want it. The guy might be a little stubborn, to be honest with you. I mean, you go one and seven into a bye week. And everybody's claiming, you know, you draft a guy like Dwayne Haskins and he could groom the guy. Well, how does everybody know that Eli even wants to groom a guy? I mean, to think, you start off a season so bad, and you have a cluster of a season last season, and Eli still is the quarterback to finish out the season. Right. If he cared about the future of the franchise, he would have let the, let the next man go up. And I'm not saying that he doesn't care about the franchise. I'm saying that Eli Manning wants to be a giant. He doesn't care about the future of the team and what quarterback to groom up next. Because if he did, he would have let the next man step up, and, and that's my true and honest opinion. I think, and that's why I believe that's why I believe the gentleman is not going to wind up wanting him back because I don't think that Eli is going to want to take a pay cut either because he knows that if he's going to take a pay cut, he won't be the starter, especially if they draft the quarterback with that six pick. I definitely agree with that, Kyle Russo, for sure. Kyle Russo, for the last fifteen years, Eli Manning has worked to make sure that everyone here in the studio and all the Giants fans have had entertainment on Football Sunday. I think that Eli's days are most certainly numbered as the Giants quarterback, but I think Pat Shermer and Eli deserve a, a year or two together in this system. Um, Kyle Russo, thank you very much for calling in. We definitely appreciate your analysis, and we hope to have you back on the show in a few weeks when you're feeling better. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. Appreciate taking my call. Absolutely. Anytime, Kyle. Feel All better, right. Kyle. That's right. Thanks, guys. Good Have night. a good night. Have a good show. I'll be listening. Awesome. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Bye, guys. That was Kyle Russo from Comac, New York. All right, guys. Back to the Giants. Kyle brought up some very good points, but we talked about the draft outlook at the number six pick, but we got to talk about Dallas a little bit in this game. Jarwin had three touchdowns in this game with Dak Prescott. Dak had an outstanding game. Um, Jarwin scored three touchdowns. I think that was the first time since, like, 1970 that a Dallas tight end scored three touchdowns. That does not include future Hall of Famer Jason Witten. Yeah. Witten never scored three touchdowns in a game. That's a surprise, to be honest. Yeah, I heard that when I was coming home on the radio that uh, 
heard Jarwin's last touchdown uh, in score, and then they mentioned that, yeah, even the great Jason Witten didn't do that. I was like, wow, really? That's something. Yeah, he had, he had a, a nice day against the Giants' depleted secondary defensive line, what have you. Um, I, I, I mean, it, it is true. I mean, we got really nobody to cover tight ends. We, we don't. Um, with Collins out. With Collins out, Ogletree out. Ogletree is the best thing that we had. So, um, play. but I think uh, th- they may I have forgot found... he didn't play. I yeah. forgot that Ogletree didn't play. Maybe that was part of the reason why he was so open the whole game. Yeah, I, whoever they had in for him, I... I Tay no Davis. Clue. Oh, uh, no name in my Still salty about Calvin <laughs> Munson not making the 53-man roster. He should have made it, but... Wasn't that, like, 19 weeks ago, Tom? <laughs> James. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I, I do think that um, that Dallas may have found their new tight end. Yes. I mean, the I way he so. performed. I mean, then again, you're going up against a Giants secondary, but at the same time, for him to get three touchdowns more than Jason Witten in a single yes. game shows me something. Dak and him have formed a relationship yes. that could help them proceed into the playoffs. Yes. Um, and one other thing, too, Jarwin's final stat line, guys, seven catches, 119 yards, three touchdowns. I think Blake Jarwin has definitely earned himself um, consideration as, to be the starting tight end next season. You know, you have a rookie in Dalton Schultz. You know, this isn't going to be easy for him to do, but I think Jarwin has earned it uh, with a performance like that. The Giants held Amari Cooper to a limited game, just five catches for 31 yards, uh, and they held the run pretty well. Uh, despite Ezekiel Elliott not playing in this game for rest, Dak had to beat the Giants, and Dak beat the Giants. Four mm-hmm. touchdowns in this game. Um, you know, a lot of people have called Dak, you know, they've called him some very not nice names, but, you know, Dak Prescott is a good NFL quarterback. Yes, the Giants had some penalties in this game that helped Dallas out a little bit, but when you throw for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns, I mean, the guy was incredible. You see the catch, Cole Bees at the controversial touchdown yep. in the end yeah. zone? Clearly a touchdown. A oh, yeah. Clearly a touchdown. But that was a fourth down play. And you get, guys, the Giants are one play away from beating Dallas. The Giants had the chance to be. If the Giants win this game, they beat two of the six teams representing the NFC in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, the Bears, and it would have been the Cowboys. The Giants beat the Bears. Remember, the Bears beat the Rams. Oh, Oh, Tom, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Connect the puzzle pieces, guys. Um, No, (laughs) Giants did not have a good year. They had a good finish. Uh, They played a better second half. Yeah. We'll we'll preview more of their draft stuff coming forward. But, James, you really were impressed. Cody Latimer had two one-handed catches with his left hand in this game. Talk about him. And despite him being out majority of the season, has he earned himself a spot on the roster next year? He, Cody Lamner was out for, like Tom said, he, uh, in my eyes, he has earned a spot on the roster. He filled in yeah. great uh, against Dallas. Those two one-handed catches, looking like Odell on the sidelines catching those balls. Um, I, I, I liked watching him play. It, it would be great to see him as a number three next season to see what he has as a full season with us if he does come back. Um, he was a, he was a, I, I would like to see him and Odell on the field because if Latimer is playing like he did against Dallas, say next season, and then you add Odell in that mix, then you add 
Barkley, then you add Shepard, then you add Ingram. It could be looking like a very nice wide receiver core. Um, I, I just liked how Latimer looked great and performed as he should have in what right. exactly the, would have been the le- which and was the don't last forget thing. Corey Coleman on special teams who yes. really set up the kickoff return that Corey Coleman had after Dallas went up by one. We only needed thirty yards to get into field goal range, guys. Yeah, we he, only needed 30 yards, but, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. I like the way Evan Ingram finished out the season as well. Ingram was hurt a lot. The fact that they lost Ingram and Latimer, guys, we don't really talk about this much, but Ingram missed almost half the season. Latimer missed three quarters of the season. Those two guys derailed us offensively because after Odell, all it was was Barkley and Sterling Shepard. Yep. Cody Latimer and Evan Ingram, I think, are part of the puzzle next season, and you got to resign Cody Latimer, I think. And you talk about Barkley in this game. He only carried the ball 17 times, but 109 yards, the one touchdown, and Barkley also had four catches. Barkley ties the Giants' rookie record for most receptions in a season. Guys, Barkley had 91 catches on the season. That was the same amount of catches Odell had as a rookie in 2014. Chris, we were sophomores in college when that happened. Yeah, it feels like forever ago for me, at least. I mean, I'm still in college. At least you graduated. But I got a question, Giants fans in the room. Sure. Two years in a row now, Odell Beckham, season-ending injuries. So where does this kind of put him in, like, you know, best wide receiver in the league category? Because I personally, I personally, I thought he was, you know, fourth ranked in the league. But now, I mean, he keeps, he keeps getting injured. Where, where, does he, where does he rank now, you think? Odell Beckham Jr. is not in my top ten. Whoa, whoa, that's hot. That's scorching hot. The room's on fire. I strongly dislike Odell Beckham Mm -hmm. Jr. as a person, Mm -hmm. as a a football player. He's fun to watch. His talent is great. Oh, yeah. Odell, I strongly dislike you as a person. If you're listening, Odell. As a football player, (laughs) I don't think you support your quarterback the way you should. I don't think you support your teammates the way you should. Sterling Shepard, who's two years younger than you, has learned more from Eli than you have in four to five years. I can see the anger in your eyes right now. I'm surprised Kyle's not calling in. I'm surprised he has a cold day. Look, Odell Beckham Jr. is not doing a good job lighting a fire under this team. He's not doing it in the right ways. His point, he, you know, he's saying the right, but he's not delivering it in a way that's constructive to the team. This is a team game. Yeah. This is not an Odell Beckham Jr. one-man show. And I do strongly believe when I say Odell Beckham Jr. is not a top-ten wide receiver in the National Football League. And I will stand by that statement, James. Listen, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, he he he's not right now a leader of that team. I see anybody getting that C on his chest, Saquon, yeah. faster than Odell. Yes. Um, just because he has... He, there's something that he, he he's yeah. not making a connection with, right? And it's frustrating to watch because he's going to the press and you know not kind of bashing people on his team, but then he needs to take it in a different aspect. He either needs to do one on one or talk in the locker room yeah. and not go on these tangents on the sidelines. Um, but I I do I do agree with Chris. This is the second year he's been injured yeah. at the end of the season. Now it it is concerning for us Giant fans because we spent a lot of money on him. And Get- Gettleman came out during his press conference and said, we ain't signed him to trade him. So it means Odell's with us for, for the long haul. Um, I do think 
he, he Odell even said he spent he spends a lot of money on taking care of his body. Um, now, does that mean tattoos or does that mean physical work? <laughs> well, wow. we know he doesn't like water. So. Well, so it, the, there, there's something else. I think this offseason he needs to be healthy and uh, get back and start working with the team and not just himself. I will say on the defensive side of the ball, I don't want Olivier Vernon back. Correct. He had two and a half sacks Sunday, great, but you showed up for four games of the season. I once got Simonson back on offense as the third string tight end. Uh, if they don't bring Ellison back, I would keep Simonson as the backup. I like Ingram, Ellison, and Simonson as our three tight ends. He's a good player out of Division II Assumption College. Uh, really like the way Simonson has transferred into an NFL talent. Defensively, the rookies were great, B.J. Hill and, Lo- and Lo- Lorenzo Carter. They're going to be great next year. The Giants need line help. They need a pass rusher. And, yes, they do need a quarterback as well. On that yes. note, any final thoughts on the Giants heading into the offseason? We need pass rush help. They gave the schedule out for next year, and the Giants, yes, they're playing a bunch of the last-place teams, but it's not an easy schedule. Um, you know, you got to play teams like Tampa Bay. They're going to play Green Bay, Minnesota next year. Yeah, and the Jets. Oh, and, that's pretty and the Jets as well. Yeah, no, that should be a good game next <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, Darnold versus Barkley. Mm. See if the Giants made the correct choice. I... I, still, oh, I think I, they made the right choice. I mean, look at the year he had. I'd take Saquon. It's still early. Oh, I'd love Saquon on the team right now. I think both teams made the right choice in who they picked. I think the Jets made the right pick in Darnold. The Giants made the right pick in Barkley. Um, all right, so on that note, we are going to move on from the Giants and go to our team of the week. After we go to our team of the week, um, we are going to take a break. So let's get to our team of the week james montefusco yes who is your team of the week so my team of the week was a little bit of a question mark until last night so i saw part of the women's basketball game of uconn versus baylor oh gosh and baylor came out with the win over uconn that was uconn's uh first loss of the season um baylor played extremely well i don't think baylor was ever down or uconn was leading um, to see that was very exciting, and uh, I figured throwing some women's basketball into the mix. I like it. Okay, I have I have Dawes's team of the week, and it is um justice. Why I don't know, but he said justice. So I don't, again don't know what that means. Um, but my team of the week is going to be Clemson football. They showed out. Very good with a bunch of with a couple of guys getting suspended due to the drug testing and uh, getting caught with whatever drug uh, performance enhancing drug it was, and to go in against Notre Dame, a very highly skilled defense, and Philip Lawrence, a true freshman a year ago, this kid was taking his SATs and now he's he's on the national stage for Clemson. Give him all types of credit. So I'm going to say Clemson is my team of the week. All right. My team of the week is the New York Islanders, uh, winning five in a row, eight of nine, keep winning. They, everyone had them at the bottom of the league this year. They've foreseen the expectations the first half of the season, so that's my team of the week. My team of the week is the Baltimore Ravens because they've won three games in a row. They won six out of their last seven to get into the playoffs. They beat the Los Angeles Chargers two weeks ago, and they survived the Cleveland Browns. And C.J. Mosley with the game-winning interception, Jimmy Smith looked great. And the Baltimore Ravens have won the AFC North for the first time since two since the last six years. And the Ravens were the best defense in the NFL. A great two-headed rushing attack with guys like Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon stepping up in the absence of Alex Collins. The emergence of rookie quarterback Lamar Jackson, the only rookie quarterback of note 
starting to be in the postseason. And like I said, John Harbaugh quoted this best. Out of all the teams I had, and this includes the Super Bowl winning team of 2012, this is the best complete team that I've had. And I'm very excited for what they have in the playoffs. And let's be real, guys. Nobody wants to play the Baltimore Ravens right now in the playoffs. Um, They're a very, very dangerous team. They might be the best team in the AFC right now at the four seed. That's up for debate, but yeah. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break, and then we will get to that debate. You're listening to Review and Preview here on MyWCWP.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Coming to you live from WCWP Studio 4. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. This is Review and Preview. James, you know, uh, you know, bring it in the tunes with NBC Sunday Night Football, uh, my, you know, main employer. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I figured it's appropriate for the second. Two yes. weeks in a row. Yes. Yes, that's right. Well, it's a big weekend, wild card you know, weekend. May- you know? Maybe we should do that at the top of the hour from now on for every show before we Review and Preview the NFL games. How about that? I like that. James Montefusco with excellent work behind the board. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Dawes, you're fired. <laughs> week 17. This is the final week of the NFL season. And, guys, we had a lot of ridiculous picks last week. Um, Kyle Earhart, actually, you know, you picked the Islanders as the team of your week two weeks in a row. Yeah. That's, that's what happens when you win eight of nine. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, let's um, let's talk about last week. And last week there were a lot of big games, but I want to start with the Buffalo Bills against the Miami Dolphins. Um, this was a sad day for Buffalo fans. The retirement for Kyle Williams, a hog on that defensive line for the past 13 seasons, the biggest moment in his career was making the playoffs last season for the first time and only time in his career. And to stay loyal to a franchise like that for 13 years is pretty impressive. You see, after the game, he walked around the entire stadium, greeted all the fans. He was walking around for about 10, 15 minutes. And the Bills have sent Kyle Wilson off in style. Also, Williams. Did, Kyle Williams. Didn't he also catch a pass? It's I possible. Think he did. No, he did. He did catch a pass. And then um, they were trying to get him a touchdown late. Um, His first snap of the game was actually on offense. Um, The Bills received the opening kickoff, and then Williams lined up as the fullback. Many expected another attempt to let the big man score a touchdown. Um, Instead, he helped close out one side for Josh Allen to get in for the score. Yeah, guys like Kyle Williams, they don't come around every now and again. They're a very rare form. And... I got the pleasure of watching him play the Jets two times for the past what was it, thirteen years he's played? Yeah, yeah, thirteen years, and he was a he's a dog out there. He's he's fantastic. I never I never hated Kyle Williams. I always liked him actually. He's a fantastic player, and the NFL is definitely going to miss him. And I can only imagine the Bills Mafia is going to miss him terribly. Um, you know, I've always had a soft side for Buffalo. I mean, let's be fair; they are the only New York football team. I mean, yeah, technically. I mean, yeah, they yeah. play New York. Um, the Bills also, um, they beat the Jets this year 41-7 to in one of their two meetings. Don't remind us. 
Why are you saying that? Out of all people, because in the because, we, were there. because we spend money to go to yeah. that ridiculous game. Oh. Um. <laughs> you guys went to that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> this is review preview, folks. Oh my god, that was such a bad game. Uh, I remember working. I, I, oh, I remember you're telling I was, me. I think I need to go to more Jets games. I am one and zero. All time at Jets game. Oh, last time I went to a, a Jets game, Greg McElroy was the starting quarterback. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were about to say Greg Vavernick for a second. At this oh. point, they might be calling him for auditions. Soon. Yeah, I mean, look, hey, look, Jets, listen up. I mean, I, I mean, I know we're talking about what happened last week, but look, I played quarterback in high school. I was the backup, so I mean, <laughs> sign me up. I had a nice spiral. Um, week seventeen, uh, Buffalo defeated Miami forty-two to seventeen. The Lions blanked the Packers. Uh, Green Bay, who I believe, were they undefeated at home until this point this season? I think they very well might have been. And that Green Bay finishes the season 6-9-1. and one. This was the baddest blowout loss for the Packers, man. You can't end the season this way with Aaron Rodgers, with Joe Philbin as the interim coach. I don't know what's next for Green Bay, but they need a new head coach. That's number one. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but... Is the pack on the downfall, or will the pack be back next? No pun intended. Mm. They're on the downfall. Yeah. yeah, I think they're definitely on the downfall. I mean, look, they have some guys who they can, uh, especially on that defense, they can build around. Uh, who's the corner they drafted this year? Uh, why am I drawing a blank? Yeah, so am not Demarius Randall, right? No, it's. Uh, I know one of the guys they got was the kid from Iowa, Alexander. He's very good, and the other guy opposite him is solid. They, tr- you saw, they traded. Clinton Dix, Clay Matthews is a free agent this year, so I mean, who knows if he gets signed back? Mm-hmm. They don't have a running back. Didn't the Sean Kaiser start, or did Rogers get hurt? His guy, no Kaiser played a lot in this game. Um, it's possible Rogers. I mean, Kaiser just came in at the end. You know, just they to, have Kentrell Bryce, Tony Brown. I'm trying to think, maybe one of those guys might be the rookie you're talking maybe. about. Maybe, yeah. Either way, he whoever running, whatever rookie cornerback uh, they have, they have him alongside uh, Jerese Alexander, who's very good. They don't have any wide receivers. I'm not a big fan of their wide receivers. No, since Jordy Nelson they're bad. They're not good. And I think, well, who's it? Randall Randall Cobb's a free agent this Maldis year. Maldis Scantling. Jake yeah. Kumaro. Yeah, Jake. Yeah. No. Yeah, they have Equimini. Equimini is St. Brown's University I, I, of Notre Dame. I still can't say his first name. <laughs> no, but him, St. Brown, shame. he has potential. They don't have a really good running back. Aaron Jones is all right, but, I mean, he's no starter. And they're, they're all – O-line is decent, but yeah. – they really don't have anything. I mean, they've been on a downfall since. I, I I believe they've been on a downfall since they won the Super Bowl in they have. 2011. They have. So I mean, it's only and now now that Mike McCarthy's gone, you might see a whole new change in uh, GM coaches. Everything. Everything yeah. might just clean house for everything. The other game that took place in the NFC North was a game with strong playoff implications, and the Chicago Bears locked the Minnesota Vikings out of the 2019 NFL playoffs. The Bears win 12 games and earn the three seed in the NFC. Um, this is the most wins that the Bears have had in a season since 2006. That was when Rex Grossman was their quarterback, along with guys like Thomas Jones. And this was when the Bears represented the NFC in the Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts in Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl win, the only one he had with the Colts. But, guys, in this game, I really do think the Bears were a dark horse for the Super Bowl in the NFC. I mean, Goff and the Rams have not looked good the last couple of weeks. The Saints, Breeze has had a poorest couple of games, but the Saints will be home in the playoffs. But if you look at the Bears, the real question here is Mitchell Trubisky. It's whether he 
shows up or not for the playoffs because, um, you know, he did not have a great game last week. They leaned on Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Howard had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. It's great to have Trey Burton back at tight end, I will say. That's a big plus for them. And you have weapons like Kevin White, Taylor Gabriel, even Tariq Cohen. But, um, and that defense is really what's going to carry them. Yep. Adrian Amos, Prince Mukamara, Akeem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, Danny Trevath, and Kyle Fuller. These guys are Eddie Goldman, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith. How do Khalil I forget Mack. him? <laughs> Sherrick McManus, Khalil Mack. He's yeah, Khalil most Mack. important of all. Um, are the Bears a potential dark horse team for the Super Bowl? I think I they, yes. I think they are, just because of how good this defense has been. I mean, people came into this season, they said, Vikings got this locked up. It's the Vikings, the Packers, then it's the Bears. Then I, was the Lions. I, I was one of them. I was one of them. I didn't think, look, I mean, I knew Klomak having him on the defense would be a great addition to this team. I didn't think it would be he, this substantial. It would be this substantial. Like, he literally changed the whole dynamic of that locker room yeah. coming into the coming into Chicago from yeah. Oakland. It's crazy to think that. And now they literally are a dark horse for the to go to the Super Bowl. But I mean look, they have to get past the Eagles in the first round. And we all know mm-hmm. what the Eagles mm-hmm. I mean I look I'm I'm sa- I'm making the same noise as you are. But history shows Eagles with Nick Foles, big underdog last year in every game they played in, end up winning the Super Bowl. Right. So I mean history could repeat itself or the Eagles can get the the blow the doors blown off them from the get go in we'll this see. game. Um, yeah, you know, the Bears are a team to look out for. They have two excellent running backs, um, an above-average quarterback, an excellent defense, number two, number three in the league, probably number two behind Baltimore. Um, and this defense is probably the closest thing we've seen since the 85 Bears. You know, that's saying a lot, you yeah, know. But it's good. crazy how one player could change a team. Uh, a rookie head coach as well and Matt Nagy. Um you know, this is a test for them. They're a new team to the playoffs. They have not been there in a while. I think the last time they were in was when they had Jay Cutler at quarterback. I think it was back in 2012. So keep in mind. Other so, games, what's up? Uh, I hate to cut you off. I just want to ask you a quick question. Sure. For, on that Bears uh, roster, has anybody been to the playoffs? I want to say... Was Prince? I know Lance Briggs recently retired. Prince Samu Kamara w- was not on the Giants two years ago when they made the playoffs. Um, I want to go ahead and say Cody Parkey has their kicker okay. with, with the Eagles. Um, that's just a wild guess. Um, I, look, I can look up their depth chart right now and tell you because I know Trey Burton. No, he has not. Mike Doyle's on Actually, the... Trey, Trey Burton has been to the playoffs because he was on the Eagles last year as their third-string tight end. So there are a couple of guys that have been to the playoffs. Okay. Not many, a couple. Um, that's my hot take on that. Other games, uh, the NFC South, the Panthers beat the Saints in New Orleans. Michael Thomas ends the season as the most receiving yards in Saints history. Panthers win 33-14. They snap their seven-game losing streak. Um, Ron Rivera apparently will be back next season to coach. Um, Kyle Allen started this game for the Panthers. He looked good. He even looked good last week when uh, Taylor Heineke got hurt. Um, and Cam Newton, you know, shut down for the season. Who knows what his future is. For the Saints, Teddy Bridgewater started this game. Dwayne Washington was running the football. The Saints did not have a lot of their top guys, especially at the running back and quarterback position. Mark Ingram only touched the ball five times all game. So um, I don't think this will affect the Saints m- much going into the playoffs. But a fun fact about the Saints, guys, everyone, keep your ears peeled on this one. When the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2009, 
when they defeated the Indianapolis Colts with Drew Brees at quarterback, the Saints lost. The Saints also went 13-3. and The Saints lost three games that year to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Carolina Panthers. 2018, Saints finished the season 13-3. and Guess who their three losses were to? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Coincidence? Deja vu, a little bit? A little bit. Do you, do you think Instagram they lost Carolina? Live, do you think this is deja vu? I don't know. Do you think they lost Carolina on purpose? So, you know. I mean, they sat there. They were just resting up. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay. Try, trying to get Breeze two weeks of rest um, at 39 years old. You know, that's something key. But, um, look, this is a team that has a lot, a lot of season left in them, I think. Um, all right. The other game in the NFC South, the Falcons beat the Bucks. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> NFC West. Uh, the Seahawks win. They clinch the five seed in the NFC. They beat the Cardinals by three. Russell Wilson secures his place with the most touchdown passes in Seahawks franchise history. Um, he was phenomenal in a, a season that is. Uh, Rosen had a porous rookie campaign. Um, Chris Carson had an excellent game, and the Seahawks earned themselves a date with the Dallas Cowboys. In Dallas, you know, it was on kind of, Saturday night. It's kind of shocking a little bit when you think about it. The Seahawks really, if you looked at the Seahawks at the beginning of the season, no one picked them to even come close to the playoffs, even sniff the playoffs. They were, everyone thought they were tanking almost. They were trying to just restart, rebuild. And Legion of Boom is gone. Yeah, Legion of Boom was gone. You saw a lot of guys not returning. You saw Earl Thomas go out early on in the yep. season. And you know what? Everyone thought, you know what? Seahawks are done. The Seahawks reign is done. They're going to start rebuilding, and that is not the case, as we see that. They made the playoffs. They 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 fought their way to this wild card and got to this point. So it's, it comes as, as a little of a shock to fans to seeing like, whoa, the Seahawks made the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other game in the NFC West, the Rams beat the 49ers. Um, Rams did not have much to play for. They earned the two seed. But a fun fact about this game, 49ers tight end George Kittle, the most receiving yards in a single season by a tight end in NFL history. George Kittle, the second-year player, has the most receiving yards ever in a season for a tight end in NFL history. Is this a product of San Francisco being that bad and George Kittle being the only bright spot of the offense? Maybe. But it's also his talent is phenomenal. And with, the, you know, yeah, Nick Mullins had three picks in this game, we know. But he also had three touchdown passes. And George Kittle, 9 for 149 and a touchdown. Guys, with Gronk on the downfall, your new top three are Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle in no particular order. At the end of next season, George Kittle will be the best tight end in football. Write that down. Tommy Mack, I know you're listening. Write that down. (laughs) Yes, I really like George Kittle. He was on my fantasy team this season in both leagues. Is that why you like him? Well, he didn't do good in the money. Yeah, I yeah. beat you in the semifinal by three points, thanks yeah, to Christian McCaffrey. But I lost the Dawes, unfortunately. Nobody decided to show up. That I don't know how I won twelve. I started zero and one, and I went twelve and one. I lost the Dawes in the finals. Yeah, was, I remember. I texted. I was texting Dawes. I was like, "Yo, are you nervous?" He was like, "I don't know. Should I be?" <laughs> um, the other game in the NFC we didn't cover uh, NFC East the uh, Eagles blanked the Redskins 24 nothing. they are in a playoff berth 
um, on the road as well. You know, uh, when you're facing Josh Johnson, the journeyman with the Redskins, nothing to be too excited about. Nick Foles had a decent game, but he's not 100%. Um, yeah, the Redskins are just awful. Um, all right. The Eagles back up, back up looked pretty well in the series he had. talking Sudfeld? Uh, yeah, if that's yes. who came in for yes. Foles, yeah. All right, so we talked about the AFC East. Let's talk about the AFC South. Um, look, the Colts are going to the playoffs. They beat the Tennessee Titans 33-17. Um, no Marcus Mariota in this game. You're going up against Tennessee on the road with Lane Gabbard at quarterback. But Luck, he's going to win comeback player of the, of the year. The real story is Andrew Luck, but the real story is also the men up front, Quentin Nelson, has been phenomenal. Costanzo has played much better this season. Um, that other guy they got, Smith, they got Ryan, Ryan Kelly at center has mm-hmm. been tremendous. Luck loves him. And the rushing game with Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack has been incredible. Yeah, He's yeah. one of the most underrated backs in the league. Yeah, no one saw that coming from Marlon Mack. He came into the season and it's like, oh, Marlon Mack's your starting running back. Like No one expected him to do what he's doing. Yeah. And, Tom, you mentioned it as well, too. Quentin Nelson, he provides such a great dynamic to this Colts offense line is what they've been missing these past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Look, he came out today, Quentin Nelson, all pro, first team this year as a rookie. That's fantastic. And he did been rookie in a month at one point. He changed he he made he changed the dynamic of that offensive line. Andrew Luck, when he's healthy and he when he's playing, he's top five quarterback in this league. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And let's go and we can even look at the other side of the ball. Darius Leonard. He is another rookie, probably going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year in the AFC. He killed it. Did he not make the Pro Bowl? Did he lead the league in tackles? That I don't know, but I know he didn't make the Pro Bowl. He got snubbed in the Pro Bowl, which is disrespectful to him. No respect. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's crazy how he didn't make the Pro Bowl. He was definitely one of the biggest snubs for sure. The Texans beat Jacksonville 20-3, the third time the Texans have clinched the AFC South in the last three out of the four seasons. Hmm. Talked about New England and the Jets, the Bills and the Dolphins. The AFC North, the Steelers are kept out of the playoffs, guys. Um, look, things are not looking good in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, Antonio Brown wants out, not responding to text messages from Roethlisberger and Tomlin. Are major changes to come. Uh, the Steelers win their game against the Bengals 16-13, leading to the firing of Marvin Lewis. Juju Smith-Schuster becomes the third player in Steelers history with 110-plus catches in a season. But... Um, possibly at the expense of Antonio Brown. Um, look, you have guys to build around in Juju, Connor, but what's the problem? Is it Tomlin? Is it Roethlisberger? Is Tomlin unable to keep players in the spotlight for this long? It's the defense. That's what it really is. Uh. I think it's the defense, personally. I mean, you really... Having Ryan Shazier miss all this time, and possibly we don't, know, we don't even know if he's going to come back to the NFL, that's huge. He was a... Command. He was a field general at the middle linebacker position. He was a he was a captain on that defense. Missing him really stink. Really, really is tough because now that yeah. opens up a huge hole in that middle linebacker position. T.J. Watt's good. He's a good outside linebacker to have. And on that defensive line, you have uh, former Notre Dame player Stephen Tuet plays D end yeah. or D tackle. Stephon Tuet. He plays yeah. defensive end in yeah, the three four. And he's a, he's a solid. He's, he's kind of like our B.J. Hill basically. Yeah. He's a, and he's a solid guy to have there too, but the secondary stinks. The number one corner is Joe Hayden. He's past his prime. Brown. He's way past his prime, and then yeah. it really is the defense. I mean, this offense can only do so much when the defense stinks. Yeah. Um, 
Just for the record, Darius Leonard did lead the NFL in tackles with 163 tackles Shoo. as a rookie. And didn't wow. make the Pro Bowl. Fun fact, late, well, other rookie, Leighton Van Der Esch, was third. James is a NFL athlete of 2018 with 140 tackles. How many sacks did Leonard have? Darius Leonard? Um, I know he had a lot. He, let's see, he had seven. Seven? Seven sacks. I feel like he had way more than that. I mean, that's still phenomenal. Oh, that's still so, great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. For a linebacker, that's phenomenal. Middle linebacker. Um, all right. So, another thing here. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 147 rushing attempts. We'll talk about the Browns and the Ravens. Most ever by a quarterback in a season. Guys, Lamar Jackson with most r- rushing attempts by a quarterback in a season. Lamar Jackson did not start until week 11. What does this say about the Baltimore offense and where they're headed? Yes, Joe Flacco got hurt. He went down, which is unfortunate. But I think they found a true gem in Lamar Jackson. He's a smart quarterback. He really is. I love him. He's great. I would take him on the Giants. Really? No. no. I, would, I would not take him on the Giants. And uh, we, ju- we, we just got word Kyle Russo just dropped dead from that comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, what Lamar Jackson's done, obviously, is phenomenal, keeping the yeah. team in the playoff hunt. But, like, if you look towards the future, like, can he keep doing this as an NFL quarterback? He's going to, like, like two, three years from now, he's going to keep getting hit. He keeps getting hit. His window's hit. not very big. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, eventually, just going to get seriously hurt. These linebackers are huge. Yes. Now, yeah, and I don't think down the road, I mean, look, he's, it's all fine and dandy now, but down the road, it's going to come to, he. I mean, he's a great runner. Don't get me wrong. But he's not—he's not a fantastic passer. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, people were comparing him to Mike Vick at the beginning of the season, the way he runs and everything like that, and that may be true. But the, at least Mike Vick knew how to throw the ball too. Uh, Kareem, I don't know why I'm thinking Kareem Jackson for some reason. Um, Lamar Jackson really isn't a, th- a thrower. He's more of a runner and a—he's a good. He's very like Tommy, like you said. He's very smart, but he's not—he's not a good thrower. You got to be a thrower in this league. It's a quarterback-driven league and. Yeah. A, it's a heavy passing league now, too. You see. Here's the problem. When you have two great running backs in Kenneth Dixon and Gus Edwards, Dixon had over 100 yards. Gus Edwards had over 75 yards. Lamar Jackson led the team with 20 carries. 20. That is not okay. I know he had two rushing touchdowns, which is great. But when your leading receiver is Max Andrews, four catches for 54 yards, you know, if this works for Baltimore this season, great. But in year two, he's going to have to start throwing the ball more. Uh, you know, in this game, they played the Browns. This was a great game. Uh, Baker Mayfield had over 375 passing yards. He had three touchdowns, but he also had three interceptions. Uh, you know, that one controversial throw to Landry on the sideline late. Um, the pick to C.J. Mosley to end the game. Um the Browns, you guys are going to appreciate this fact. The Browns had a winning division record for the first time since 1999, back when, they're the, back when they were in the AFC Central. This is the first time in over 20 years that the Cleveland Browns have had a winning divisional record. That's insane. Good for the Browns. 7-8-1 was their final record. And everyone's who's saying, oh, Pittsburgh's not going to have a problem. They're going to be back. No. The, the division next year... It's going to be between the Ravens and the Browns. Exactly. I'm sorry. That's how it's going to be. And the Browns have a decent amount of cap space to yeah, work with this offseason, too. So if they can build around some of the guys, you know, you possibly get another wide receiver in there alongside, yeah. alongside Jarvis Landry. 
Uh, Nick Chubb has proven he's a great running back. Baker Mayfield, he's solid. Ravens shut him down Sunday, though. He's yeah. a great back, but the Ravens did a good job at containing Chubb, man. Yeah, the Browns are a couple pieces away from I'm, I'm Everyone might fall back and say being a playoff team. The Browns are a playoff <laughs> team, I know. They had they have the stuff to do it. I mean, they, they, they got a great quarterback now. I mean, a good quarterback. Um, it seems like they're pushing all the right buttons. Next season is the mm-hmm. big test if they're continue to push all those buttons correctly. Right. Um, a couple other fun facts here. Larry Fitzgerald joins Jerry Rice and Tony Gonzalez as the only three players in NFL history to reach 1,300 career receptions. Andrew Luck, 11-0 all-time against the Tennessee Titans. Those are our two fun facts of the segment. And also, um, Tom Coughlin... Rips, Jacksonville Jaguars running backs, T.J. Yeldon and Leonard Fournette, calls them disrespectful and selfish. Um, you know, this is an organization that is definitely very different from the New York Giants. After Tom Coughlin left Jacksonville, it kind of went downhill, and now he's back and he's starting to see what's kind of left over from the hangover. Yes, they made the AFC Championship game last year, but I am truly convinced after this season that that was a fluke. I'm truly convinced that that was a fluke because the defense is not as good and you don't have a quarterback. It's really showing. Your offensive line is not as good. Why? Because you have two of the Giants trash starters that you signed, <laughs> Eric Flowers and Patrick Omane. That's helping no offensive line. In, and, and also, Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee was hurt from day one, out for the season. Yep. He was supposed to be your number one. They, they that's not don't good. have a good football team. They don't have a good football team. I, last year, I don't know. Like, you look back at it, you know, it could be a fluke. I mean, this offense runs through Leonard Fournette, obviously. Yep. And him him being injured for most of the year really stunk. It, it really did. it really stunk it for the did. Jaguars. And I disagreed with Blake Bortles getting that uh, extension during the offseason last year because he's you have a be- if the if the Jaguars have a better quarterback last year, the Jaguars are the ones going to the Super Bowl and not the Patriots. And look, they don't have good wide receivers at all. Marquise Lee's your best wide receiver. Dante, do they have Dante Moncrief? Yes. Yeah, Dante. I'm. Not, I do not like Dante Moncrief at all. So, in him, it, well, those guys are your, were your one two coming into the season. That's saying something. Mm-hmm. That's not good at all. That stinks. It's not good. But this defense is still solid. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. Defense is still great. Jalen Ramsey is a top. I still think a, a top corner in this league. He had a bad year, but he's still great. Still have a good defensive line and good good linebackers. But they got to turn it around next year. And I think it all it all stems from the quarterback. Blake Bortles is not the guy. Yeah. And I, I like Blake Bortles. I like Blake Bortles a lot, but he's not he's not the guy. And, you know, you, you get a new quarterback in there, it changes the dynamic of this locker room. It could, say, it could say something to the rest of the players. I agree. On that note, let's set the stage for the playoffs. The NFC playoff picture, the one seed, you got the New Orleans Saints. The two seed is the Los Angeles Rams. They will both have first-round buys with records of, I know the Saints were 13-3, and three, and I want to say the Rams finished with the same record as well. Um, and then the Saints were 12-4. and uh, Sorry, the Bears were 12-4. and four. They were the three seed. The Cowboys, 10-6. and six, They finished as the four. The five seed is Seattle at 10-6. and six. And then the six seed is the nine and seven Philadelphia Eagles that edged out Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Before we set the stage for the playoff picture, Minnesota did not deserve to be in the playoffs. Nope. Kirk Cousins really starting to show his true colors that when the game is on the line, he can't perform. He can't beat the good teams. 
You saw, Adam Adam Thielen, a guy who almost never opens his mouth, is screaming at Kirk Cousins on the sideline. Adam Thielen, you could see him very frustrated with Kirk Cousins on the sideline. Like that's not okay. Yeah, it's it's very tough. I mean, Kirk Cousins. I mean, everyone thought that the that the Vikings were a sure lock to win the North this year, especially yeah. with, with an up. What everyone thought was an upgrade at quarterback with Kirk Cousins, but. I mean, look, Adam Thielen had a great, what was it, first eight weeks of the season, going 100 yards in each of those games. He's kind of slowed off a bit, and we really had no idea what what we were going to expect from this. A little bit of a shock from the Vikings this season. Yeah. I also Um, think he was overpaid as well. I would, uh, that, that's one oh, thing I I guess you could say McCagnet didn't do, is he didn't throw all the money at Kirk Cousins, which would have been a huge mistake. Kirk, Kirk Cousins' regular season, he threw for 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. I mean, you know, the stats look pretty good, but when the game is on the line, he did not perform. You know, and oh. game, this weekend, he, when you only throw for 132 yards against the Bears' defense, that's not good. At home, too. At home, and yeah. with the playoffs on the line, you got to perform better. Well, you know, it's a shame because Minnesota, their defense started playing better late in the season. Daniel Hunter, 14 and a half sacks. Harrison Smith, Andrew Sandejo, Everson Griffin. These guys played a lot better, but it was just too little, too late. And now that sets up the playoff picture for the NFC. In the AFC, you got the Chiefs at the 1, the 12 and 4, New England at the 2, 11 and 5, the 3 is Houston at 11 and 5. Uh, the 4 seed, you have the Baltimore Ravens at 10 and 6, the 5 seed, the Chargers at 12 and 4, and the 6 seed, the Indianapolis Colts at 10 and 6 after starting 1 and 5, winning 9 out of their last 10. Um, the Colts only lost one game since week six, the game that I went to against the Jets. The Colts actually lost to the Jets, and they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Crazy, huh? They also let up a lot fewer sacks this season. They did. I think 18 compared we, to... Last year they had the most at 56, Yeah. and now this year they had the least at 18. Quentin Nelson, hands down. <laughs> Ryan Kelly, great offensive line. Um, better, I should say. I think better than Dallas. Let's transition to the Colts. They will play the Texans. They will be the first game on Saturday. This is the 3-6 matchup. The Colts visiting Houston in Texas. Um, 4.35 p.m. is the official start time. Um, That's going to be a good game. You have Andrew Luck going up against um, Sean Watson. First career playoff start. I'm really looking forward to this game. A great wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. This is a team without Will Fuller who went down, but a lot of guys have stepped up in his place. And then, luck, you have a running game. You have a defense. You know, a lot of people are picking the Colts in this game, despite the Texans being home, which is crazy, because Houston's defense is pretty phenomenal. Hey, Tom, you know, I uh, got a fun fact for you. You know, you love the fun facts. This is the second time in uh, in the playoffs that the number one uh, uh, sack team, which is the Texans, got sacked. Desha, uh, Watson was sacked the most. And the least sacked team, the Colts, or ever faced in the playoffs. It's the second time. Wow. In NFL history. No, that, that was pretty that was, fun. That was pretty fun. fun. I had a lot of fun listening to that. <laughs> um, on that note, you want to pick this game? Uh, we're not going to do locks and upsets this week. We're going to go after. We're just going to say this. Kyle Earhart, you were the only person that went 2-0 and last week. You picked the Seahawks and the Bears. So I should go first in every pick today, huh? Yes, you will go first in every pick tonight. Um, not that it means much, but um, let's. Um, Kyle Earhart, you are first. I will pick the Colts to win. Do you want the score or no? Yes. Colts win, thirty-eight 
I don't know. I don't know the score. All right, Chris. Um, I'm going to take Indy with a 10. No, excuse me, not 10. A 17 to 13 win. Like it. James Montefusco. I'm going Colts 21 to 17. I have Dawes's. I have Dawes's too. Sure. He picked Indy as well, and he didn't give me a score, so I'm going with Indianapolis 9,000 and the Texans 4. That's Dawes' wow. prediction. That's that's Mike Dawes' prediction, just so everyone knows. Does he put money on it? Yeah, he put money on it. 9,000. All right. I think the Colts are going to win this game, but I'm going to go different for the sake of the show, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say Houston 20. No. 24 to 23. Fairbairn, game winning field goal. End it. Let's go. I would just like to point out uh, my friend Tyler Cook. He called into the show a few weeks back. He picked the Texans 24 uh, 17. All right. Chargers Ravens AFC game two. That will happen on Sunday at 105 p.m. Guys, this is the game of the week. I think the winner of this game has a real shot at making the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you saw the way Rivers played against the Chiefs without Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen. And if the Texans win this game on Saturday, the winner of the Chargers-Ravens will play the Chiefs. You know, and I feel like a lot of people are picking the Colts because they want, they don't want New England to get an automatic bid into the AFC Championship game. And I feel like if New England plays Houston, that's an automatic bid to make the AFC Championship game. Um, so that's something you got to keep in mind there. Um, but um, the Chargers and the Ravens are going to play. Um, Rivers back in the playoffs. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pick the Ravens in Ooh, this game mm, by bold. a final score of 23-20 to 20 because I don't think Phillip Rivers is a playoff quarterback. I, I have Dawes. Just texted me it. He has the Ravens winning 28-18. to 28-18? to 18? Yeah. All right, Kyle Earhart. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go different because everyone's choosing Ravens here. I'm gonna go Chargers, 21-17. Philip Rivers leads down a game-winning drive to win the game. James Montefusco. Chargers, um, 28-21. Chris and I will also have the Chargers, 35-24. 35-24. All right, James, we have a caller quick yes. here. Uh, put us up here and turn the hybrid on. Caller, please state your name and where you are from. My name is Kanan Justiniano. I'm from Gramsville, New York. Kanan from Gramsville. How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. So I know you've been watching the college football playoff very closely. I know you watch it a lot more than NFL, correct? Yes. So um, I want to – I know you're a big Bama fan and you're looking forward to Monday night. Um, big Man. Yeah. And I know you have a friend there who said Oklahoma's going to win. Yes, that is correct. Oh, man. That, that, just, that just hurt me deep down inside. <laughs> um, now, I know you were pulling for Bama and Notre Dame this weekend, but obviously Notre Dame lost to Clemson. Do you think, um, do you think Clemson has any shot at Bama? And what are your ex- oh, expectations for Tua in this game? Of course. Um, Trevor Lawrence, he's, he's really good. He's really good. I think um, Tua, you know, we all know what Tua did last year in that national championship game. Yes. 
you know, he struggled against Georgia. But we all know that the news break that um, the defensive tackle Lawrence for um, for Clemson, yeah, yeah, he, you know, he's not going to be playing. But you know, that's that's big for them. I think that's big for Clemson. I think um, Alabama's success is running the ball. Those three running backs, Najee Harris, you have Damian Harris, and you have um, Jacob Jones. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what makes the team well, because without them, you know, it doesn't open it doesn't open up downfield. And I think you know, because you can pass Najee Harris the ball and get you 15 to 20 yards, you know, out of the backfield. I've watched him so much, and I've always watched him. I loved him when he was in high school. Um, But I think like that's key for Alabama. If they can't run the ball, I don't think I don't think Alabama's going to have success. We appreciate you calling in. Um, any any final thoughts on, on on these NFL playoffs as well? Are you paying attention to the NFL playoffs oh, yeah. at all? Yes, I pay attention. Who? I, I, I want to ask you one final question. Out of all the teams playing this weekend in, in the wild card round, who has the best shot at the Super Bowl? The best shot in the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with either – in the NFC, I'm probably going to pick the Bears. In the AFC, I'd say the Ravens because of how well they've yeah, been playing. I say, I say uh, San Diego. The Chargers, okay. San Diego, and I say the Bears. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm not, I'm not. As a lot of people are confident on the Ravens, I don't know about, I don't know about the Ravens. I don't think, I don't think they have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's really good. But I think once defenses start to figure them out, like they did with Tim Tebow, because look what Tim Tebow did with that team. You right. Know, when they, but I think once teams start start to figure them out, then I do think my mindset is I can't go against the number one defense in the NFL going out round one in the playoffs. That's my mindset on it. And then, you know, obviously Anthony Lynn, uh, a young head coach. So that's my thoughts. But, Kanan, thank you very much for joining us tonight, and we look forward to uh, speaking with you again sometime. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Take care. That was Kanan Justiniano from Gramsville, upstate New York in Sullivan County, guys. So we're widening our range from our callers. So back to the NFL here. We picked the AFC games, NFC, Seahawks and Cowboys, 4-5 matchup on Sunday in Dallas. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pick Seattle by a final score of 31-10. to 10. Wow. I think, I think Dallas and Philly are the two worst teams in the playoffs. I think neither team deserves to be in the playoffs. I think both of these franchises are settling – for mediocrity this season, and I don't think either team is worthy of advancing to round two. Do you hate them that bad, or <laughs> that was pretty harsh? You also did predict the Cowboys to get killed by the Giants last week. So, Kai, what's your pick then? I want to go the exact opposite of Tom, of and uh, I'm going to go. How about them Cowboys? Twenty-four uh, ten. I think Zeke's going to go off. 
Chris. Uh, I'm going to have the Cowboys as well. Again, yeah, I'm a b- b- big Zeke guy. I like Zeke, and I'm a big Mamari Cooper fan. Leading so. rusher in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well-deserved, and that first-round pick is definitely looking like it's worth to Amari Cooper. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. 27-17. James Montefusco. Seattle. I, I'm going with Seattle. Uh, 21 Fourteen. I have dollars as two. He picked the Cowboys thirty to twenty-one. I think Russell Wilson again is being very underrated here when we pick this game because you look at what he's done this season. And nobody's expected him to make the playoffs. Um, I think the Seahawks are clearly a better team than Dallas. I think so too. I really do. You come out and you should have lost to the Giants. You did not look good um, last week against the Giants. They should have lost. They should. No, they, yeah. they, they sh- honestly, I, I don't see them getting far. But One if they we'll can see. run the ball and block and protect and cause Russell Wilson confusion, the fact that they're home should definitely give Dallas an edge. But, you know, it's going to be tough against some of these other powerhouse teams in the NFC, whether it's the Bears, the Rams, the Saints. Well, let's get to the last game. Uh, Sunday, 4.40 p.m., Eagles and the Bears, you know, a depleted Eagles defense still, uh, uh, not 100% Nick Foles. Trubisky coming back, um, never been in the playoffs before. Neither is Nagy, neither is majority of this Bears team. Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions, defending their reign, uh, will be taking place at Soldier Field. Let's go ahead and pick this game. Chris, you are first. I'm going to go Eagles. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go Eagles because of the fact that they have Nick. They have Nick Foles, and you don't know what you, the Giants. I mean, the Giants. You don't know what the Eagles are going to do with him. He, he came in last year. Everyone had the Eagles as underdogs. Comes in this year. Eagles are still underdogs. You can look for him to surprise a little people this year. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. Seventeen uh, fourteen last minute field goal. James, uh, I'm going to go with the Bears. They're home. Their defense is great. I think uh, Magic ends in Philly. Uh, Bears. 24 10. Um, Kyle E. I think this Bears defense is too good and it's going to smack Philly and Nick Foles uh, right off. So I think it's going to be 20 to 10, but not like a not close 20 to 10. I'm going to go with the Bears as well, not just because their defense is good and that they're home. They can control the tempo of this game, and the Eagles' defense is not as good as it was last year. Nick Foles can pull off all the magic that he wants in this game, but to be fair, he didn't face any Bears-type defenses in the playoffs. The Eagles had a bye last year. They played the Falcons at home, and then they played the Vikings at home. To be realistic here, yes, Minnesota had a good defense, but that was the biggest challenge that they had. They're going and playing a team on the road which is a much tougher challenge than I think the other two teams that they beat to advance to the Super Bowl was last year. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick the Bears in this game. Um, I'm going to go by a final score of 26-17. to 17. Um, I think the Bears are busy in this game on special teams and defense, and I think the defense scores a touchdown late in this game. Doors pick the Bears, 21-17. All right. So, um, yeah, I do have two picks from Kyle Russo. He's picking the Bears to beat the Chargers and Seattle over Dallas. Those are the only two I have from him. But we have six minutes left on the show. Let's talk a little bit of basketball. 
St. John's finally loses their first game of the season for New York Basketball News. They lose to Seton Hall on a crazy buzzer-beater three, but they bounced back and depleted number 16 Marquette, 89-69. to Kyle Earhart, I know you're a big Red Storm guy. Um, I know my dad and my brother both went to college at St. John's, and, you know, this is a team that is definitely a force to be reckoned with this season, and I think in Big East play, they're one of the better teams that they could easily make it into the NCAA tournament this year if they keep this up. I agree, Tom. But the only thing I have an issue with St. John's is it, they won 89-69, but every, like, besides one player on the bench, 98% of their points was scored from their starting five. If you don't have a deep bench, how how, how far are you really going to go in the tournament? Yeah, no 98% of the points. Um, I agree. I, you know, it, it, it's it's hard. You need deep teams in the playoffs, and that's that's what concerns me about Duke. As good as they are, and as talented as they are, they they should they're a Final Four team this year, but they don't have a deep team. Their best bench player is Jack White. Yeah. That's their best bench player. Yeah, and but they also have three superstars. Where not all three superstars are going to be a foul trouble. Like St. John's has one superstar and good X factors around, but they're not superstars. I mean, you know, I really don't want to compare St. John's and Duke, but. I I really do think well they actually play each other. They uh, do in this season, about a month. In about a month, so we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, that's going to be fun to watch with college basketball this year. Um, to the NBA though, uh, Gordon Hayward enjoyed a huge night the other night. Thirty-five points was great from the field against the Timberwolves. Uh, was that game last night actually? Not sure if that game was last night or the night before. It was the night before. It was, it was on ESPN. It was the night before. He looked great. He's back. Uh, not back yet, but he's starting to get there again. You know, this is a slow time. You know, it might not be until the All-Star break when he gets back into the rotation. You know, this is going to take some time. He's not going to get there right away. If he's back to, you know, maybe 90% of what he was come playoff time, because you know Boston's going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I love what Marcus Smart's been inserted into their smarting lineup. Brad Stevens is knowing teams are starting to figure out what they like to do. With Hayward being, you know, not 100%, Jalen Brown is more of a factor off the bench than he is in the starting lineup. Aaron Baines is out, so Daniel Tice has taken some of his minutes and has done a nice job hitting threes and playing defense and grabbing boards. Uh, Yabaselli off the bench as well has been great. Boston's in a good uh, spot. But um, so the the Nets outlast the Pelicans. Jared Allen rejects Anthony Anthony Davis again. Like, the, the, what does Jared Allen just reject all the superstars in the NBA? That's what it's looking like. I'm a huge Jared Allen fan. I'm a Nets fan, so I catch the games every now and again. I really, I'm not a really big NBA guy, but when I do watch the NBA, it's the Nets games, and I, I'm a Jared Allen is something special. I mean, you, you if you can block guys like LeBron, block guys like AD. Two of the top, you could say the top five players in the league. I mean, you got something going on for you, and he he's proven it time and time again. He's a great point scorer and a great rebounder as well, too. Now, does Brooklyn make the playoffs this year? I think they have a real shot at it because you look at the teams ahead of them right now in the NBA standings. There's not much in the East past the top five teams. You know, then you get to your Charlottes, your Orlando's, and then there's Brooklyn sitting there. You know, uh, I think. Atkinson has done a fine job. Um, you know, I think they're better, to be completely honest with you. I think Brooklyn is better than Miami, Charlotte, and Detroit. 
I think Brooklyn is the sixth best team in the East this year. I mean, if Ka- at I, this I, point, I say without a doubt, if Karis Levert was still playing, yeah, I'd say yeah. Without this a doubt. is without Levert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So without Karis Levert, if well, Karis Levert is still playing, easily without a doubt making the playoffs. But mm-hmm. it's it's a little tough now. They are in a crazy win. Uh, they are hot right now. So I mean, in the AFC, in in the AFC, in the East, a bag of dirt can make the playoffs. That's how bad it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, except for the Bulls, because they just traded away Justin Holiday to the Grizzlies for a couple of second-round picks, Wayne Selden and Marshawn Brooks, and they waived Cameron Payne, so they're kind of trying to rebuild this team around Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Final minute of the, of the show, last thing we'll talk about. Last night, Kawhi Leonard returns to San Antonio along with Danny Green. Danny Green gets a big applause. Kawhi Leonard gets booed. Uh, the Spurs destroy Toronto in this game. Uh, DeMar DeRozan had a fantastic game. I believe it was the first triple-double of DeMar DeRozan's career, which is crazy because the kid's been around for a while, and I just called him a kid. But, you know, he came into this league very young. He has been around. Marcus Aldridge was great. Um, any thoughts on that game? And if that's a potential, uh, I was about to say, uh, playoff matchup, but they're in two different conferences. So, can I mean, you know, Tor- Toronto's a favorite in the East right now. So, um, you know, we'll see. What did you guys think of that game last night? I mean, it was a good game. I, the, the fact Kawhi got booed, I mean, it was like he knew it was going to happen. He always wanted to get out of San Antonio. Him and Pop had never got along. Yeah. Uh, I'm not shocked he got booed or called a traitor when he took free throws. So, I, otherwise, a good game. San Antonio's a good team. Yeah. Uh, Toronto's a really good team. Just stumbled. Yeah. Um, but right now, Milwaukee is the number one seed in the Easter Conference, so we'll see how that all unfolds. Guys, a great first show of 2000. And 19, we look forward to having everyone back next week as we will talk more about the NFL playoffs. We'll be down to eight teams, talk more, we'll review the college football final, and then we will begin to dive more into basketball. On behalf of Chris Klimazewski, Kyle Earhart, James Montefusco, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, wishing you all a good evening and a happy new year. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on mywcwp.org. Darling, darling, I'll turn the lights back on now. Watching, watching, as the credits all roll down.